we so often talk about the successes and we don't talk about the struggle to get there. And I want everyone to know it has been a challenging road sometimes, but what I take away from that is the focus and the resiliency you need to know that your dream is worthwhile. You're investing in you. You're betting on you every day when you get up and you take that step forward and you chase your dream. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency amplifying luxury brands across the United States and Canada. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell, and I have the Rona. <laughs> it finally caught up to me. I got the Omicron, the, the Omicron light. Yeah, <laughs> it has less calories, less filling than the uh, regular Corona virus said. Um, so if you hear me being a, a little bit schmutzy, that is why. But don't despair. I'm okay. The worst part of getting the Omicron um, coronavirus was I actually pulled out my back when I was sneezing. <laughs> and that had me more bedridden than anything, than the actual even virus. It's actually, as I'm standing here, it's still out. What are you going to do? Okay, 2022, new year, new stuff going down. I wanted to tell you guys, I don't have the the registration deets yet, but um, a fabulous um, previous podcast guest, Linda Holt of lindaholt.com, who you guys might remember her episode. I don't have the show number. It's been a minute, but uh, she's an expert on photography. She's actually a photographer who turned interior designer. She has all kinds of terrific advice when it comes to photography and presenting your projects in such a way to where potential clients go, ooh, ah. Her um, differentiator, right? Her positioning is especially strong with iPhone photography or digital cellular photography. So Linda has ever so kindly agreed to join us in a webinar next month on February 24th, and details will be forthcoming for that. So stay tuned for, for that link. It's a free, totally free webinar. And what prompted me to reach out to Linda and ask her to give you guys a little refresher course on some photography tips for your interior design business is because as sound as a marketing strategy as you might have, you might be writing all your captions perfectly. You might be doing all your hashtag research you know, perfectly reaching out to the ideal client and everything. Still, at the end of the day, content is a huge part of that. And there's only so much that you can do in this industry being so visually based, so important with <laughs> photography, <laughs> you know, with crap images as an interior designer. There's really only so, there's only so many testimonials. There's only so much, you know, behind the scenes video you can do it. Eventually, it's going to come down to your work and having some beautiful images. And I have seen designers who have, you know, okay work, but have had some really good photography that have sold it and gotten clients like crazy. And then I've seen designers who I know are super talented, have gorgeous work, and their photography does not do their work justice. The common denominator there is money. 
and getting clients with your photography. And Linda Holt is going to be joining us next month for that webinar. So stay tuned for details. You can uh, get updates. You can find out information on our Facebook group, the Wingnut Social Media Lab over there on Facebook. Just request to join if you're in the industry. We will hook you up and then you can have the details there. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be hosting it on Facebook. Like I said, the, the details will be forthcoming. So hope to see you there. That's going to be a Linda Holt show. Time for Men in News, Men in News Sesh. Yeah. All right, here we go. Today for the mini news, it's just me, myself, and I. So here's some groundbreaking news <laughs> from Instagram. Instagram is testing vertical stories a la TikTok. You know how in TikTok you swipe up? Well, now you're going to swipe up and down instead of swiping forward and backward to view stories just like TikToks and Reels. Wow. Groundbreaking Instagram. <laughs> Do we care about this? I guess it explains why swipe up links were recently replaced by the link stickers, right? So, because if you swipe up, guess what's going to happen? Next story. See, there's always a method to their madness. Anyway, this is currently being tested with a large number of accounts in different countries, and Instagram has not confirmed if it's going to be an official feature because, of course, they needed to test it. But here we go. They're really, really ramping up so they can replicate that TikTok success and TikTok experience, which has worked out. Are you guys using the link stickers in your stories? Have you guys noticed that you don't need 10,000 followers anymore to, to link out to your stuff that you're putting down? How's that working out for you? I'm, I'm liking it. Um, for Darla Powell Home, we've had over 10,000 followers for quite a while, but Wingnut's around the 70. I don't know, 7,000 and change. By the way, if you're not following us on Instagram at Wingnut Social, get on over there, please. I think it's worked out nice. We've linked to some of the, the podcasts and stuff. Are you guys utilizing it? Did you even know that you could do it? If you listen to the show and listen to the mini newses, then yes, you did. <laughs> Anyhow, Instagram has said they're working on a more streamlined experience in the app. And here we go. This is one of it. Groundbreaking, world-shaking, swiping up and and down instead of forward and backward. Woo! <laughs> so maybe someday we'll eventually see a single feed that brings together stories, feed videos, and Instagram reels. Who knows? All right, that's it for mini news today. Mini news sesh. Yeah! So today's show, we have Robin Wilson. Robin, Robin and I kind of got away. We got carried away, and we just kind of had a, a conversation about... The interior design business, she dropped some serious gems and some knowledge with her journey and her story and her successes that are going to resonate with you as you listen to the conversation. But I almost forgot <laughs> while I was talking to Robin that we were in an interview. I was just having a conversation with a friend. So, so just, a, just a fun conversation and just so many different takeaways throughout the show for her journey, but no real focus in particular, except to say that she is super hella freaking successful. And she's the first African-American designer who has a global licensed brand with Macy's for one. Her, she has the, um, the allergy-friendly sheets and, and pillows and pillowcases. And you know, I'm recording this a week or two after my talk with Robin, and Robin is so sweet. She actually sent me uh, a couple of pillows, pillowcases, and some sheets. And I have to tell you guys, seriously, 
good stuff. I haven't slept that well in forever. Super, super comfortable. And I'm not just saying that because I could, I could leave that out. I don't have to say that. Super, super good stuff. So I'm Robin, if you're, if you're listening to this now, which I hope you are super impressed. Thank you. Thank you for sending that over. That was, that was extremely kind. Before we get into uh, my, my new besties, <laughs> my conversation here, let me tell you about a little bit about Robin. Robin Wilson is a U.S. lifestyle brand, author, designer, and real estate developer, the entrepreneurial founder of a licensed brand focused on clean design protocols. Named to the Inc. Magazine Female Founders 100 list in 2020, she is a world-class thought leader on hypoallergenic, sustainable, and eco-conscious <laughs> options for the B2B and B2C, that's business-to-business business and business-to-client marketplace. She is a two-time number one Amazon best-selling author, and she's been featured on multiple news segments as an expert on eco-friendly design. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Robin Wilson to the show. Hey there, Robin Wilson. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I am thrilled to be on your podcast. This is this is like one of those bucket list things. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Wow, I'm a bucket list. That's pretty cool. That's pre- a pretty good way to start uh, 2022. Happy New Year to you, by the way. So Robin, you have managed to accomplish some extraordinary things here in the interior design industry. And I know that there are listeners out there who are going to be motivated to, to hell and back. <laughs> by your story. But first, before we get into our topic today, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what makes you so awesome sauce and we'll dig in. Well, you know, I think the one thing that I've done is transition from the corporate world to my passion. And so many of us are afraid to leave that regular paycheck and to be the entrepreneur. And I was fortunate in 99 to have a company, have an IPO. And I didn't even know what that was. And I come from such humble beginnings. I remember calling my parents and saying, they want me to sign some papers for an IPO. And they're like, oh, maybe that's one of those new healthcare plans. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, someone explained to me what was about to happen. And so at that moment, I had a wonderful, uh, what I call mentor sponsor. And a mentor sponsor is not the person you meet and they go high and, and you call them every once in a while. They actually help you see around the corner for your future. And this sponsor... Um, was someone I had actually helped in my corporate job. And he asked me a question. He said, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Wow. And that was the first question. And I was like, I don't really know, because no one had ever asked me that question. The, the second question he asked is, what is your passion? Like, you know, what do you really, when you open the New York Times, which should tell you how, how long ago that was, we don't even <laughs> open the paper. Do they exist the anymore? But he, he, <laughs> he said, what, what section do you open it to? And I was like, the real estate section. He's like, why? And then he asked me my origin story. I told him about my grandfather being an entrepreneur and owning property in Texas and my great-grandfather buying it originally and and all these, you know, at some point I was going to inherit some land or property. And he said, well, you need to understand how to build wealth and not just make money, but really to understand how real estate can work. And that's a sponsor. That's someone who sees around the corner and helps you visualize your future. And so that's when I got my master's at NYU and in real estate finance. And, and then after graduating, you know, there's all these guys in the program. And I was one of three women in the program, the graduate program at NYU. And this wonderful professor said to me, Robin, I just want to tell you, you know, you're, you're not a guy. (laughs) Shock. (laughs) You're not from the Northeast. Um, You're African-American, you're black, you know, he's like, 
you're not going to have the easy road that some of these other people are who graduate. And of course, at that moment, you know, I wanted to get prickly about it, but I listened. And this guy's now 85 years old. He's still a mentor. He said to me, he said, you need to figure out something you can do right out of the gate so this degree is worth something. He said, you know how to be nice to people. You know how to network. You know how to communicate. And he said, and now you know about building and you've been around it sort of your life. He said, why don't you become a project manager? I was like, huh? <laughs> and he said, you have a good eye. So that means if the, if the husband is leaving his wife <laughs> at home, you're going to be the liaison between the contractor and his wife. You're going to be the busy homeowner's best friend. And he said, and they'll feel comfortable that you're on site and you're helping communicate what, you know, a window apron is. A layman might say, oh, that, that thing right there. And Isn't then you that could something say you wear when you're cleaning your windows? <laughs> you know, it's the, it's under the windows, right? That, that, that strip of wood under the windows that you put your candles and stuff on. And so he said, you could communicate that. And I was like, oh. but you know what? That's how I transitioned from corporate into basically being the financial manager or project manager mm-hmm. on a job and protecting my clients from being overcharged or even having shoddy work done. And we made $1.2 million in our first year. Holy cow, that's a success story. So, Robin, that's how you got your start in the interior design that, that is. world. Okay, yeah. from, from this mentor suggesting that you become a project manager. Exactly. Okay. Because I didn't go to design school. But he knew I'd traveled. He knew I'd been in some really nice places. And he knew I had a good eye based mm-hmm. on some of the projects that we had to do in the program. And, you know, hey, you go into someone's house – you have to respect it's their sanctuary. It's not yours. Mm-hmm. It's their lifestyle. It's what they like to do. If they're left-handed, if they're right-handed, all those things are things you have to know. And especially when you're working with high net worth people that have a house in Aspen and a house in the Hamptons and a house. So that's really where I got started is listening. So you've niched your design. You have clean design home, which we're going to get into, and you've laser focused your mission onto the allergy friendly products and stuff, which we're going to get into for, but before I do that, I want to, I want to do a little, I want to pull you to the side here. (laughs) And I want to ask you about, you said you didn't go to design school, right? So that is, there's a lot of designers in the audience who didn't, there's a lot who have. Tell me how that informed your design choices or your education. And how did you work around that? What are your thoughts on going to design school? Do you think it's unnecessary or? That's a tough question. You know, I think I think design school has a place for certain people. I think that there are people who have been to many places in their life. They have traveled. They have aunts, uncles, maybe even grandparents who had well-ordered spaces and or disordered spaces. And they simply said, I want that. I don't want that. So if you have a very strong artsy or creative eye or geometric spacing ability where you can look at a white box and say, oh, it could be this or that. That's actually a gift. And I don't know that going to a program for a degree is the right thing. I think taking courses might be the right thing if you have that ability. I see how I worked around because I had the same thing with my design firm in Miami. I don't have any formal education. So I just worked around it by hiring people who did. (laughs) <laughs> I I did that too. Absolutely. Right. You know, one of the other one of the other powerful things about going to your strength is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. Amen. And what I tell so many people in the design world is 
this is a business. So if you think about how designers sometimes introduce themselves, they say, oh, I do design. Okay, that's great. But that means sometimes you're doing design for free for your friends. You're not charging. You're not thinking about the business side of it. And if you can't do that, you need to hire the person who can. Because actors don't say, I do show. (laughs) They say, I'm in show business. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's what am I getting paid? What's happening with my travel vouchers or expenses? And we need to think about that that as designers because you have a gift if you are in this business. Your gift is to take raw space and to make it something or to renovate space and make it better. And more importantly, you are making someone's life change. You may not realize it, but someone may have gone through a divorce or a loss in their family. And now you're taking that oversized furniture and making it smaller and making it more perfect for their new space. Those are things that can really change someone's life and give them that spark of energy to keep going. I love that. And, and you touched on something. I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast in the past. There's a an interior designer and she's been a guest on the show. Her name is Veronica Solomon and she has an excellent Facebook group. It's called What They Don't Teach You in Design School. And it was last year, it was a couple of months ago or so. And I think she just reoriented the paradigm on us being a service industry and providing that ser- you're actually helping your clients. You know, you're educating them, you're helping them, you're helping them to live a more comfortable, happier, healthier life. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we feel put out by that educational component of how to work with us or that we do charge. And I think we're, we're so easy to say, oh, red flag, run away. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I have a client recently who works for a major music company. I'll just leave it like that. And she moved from New York to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I said to her, why are you doing this? And she said, you know, after COVID and having to work from home, I just, I need more space. Even though it's just me, I just need more space. I'm sick of going from my bedroom to this other room. I need four rooms to go to or six rooms to go to and a backyard. And so one of the things that I recognized is she'd lived in one place for 18 years. Now, you know, and I know when you live in one place for 18 years, you just accumulate stuff versus when you move every five years or so you, you pair away things. So the first thing I said to make sure she felt good about this move is I hired a wonderful woman who is a partner I've worked with for years, Sari Autumn. I'm going to give them a free advert here. Sari Autumn does decluttering and organizing people when they make a move. Now, that's not my job, and I'm not going to be good at it, but they take pictures of everything, and when you move to your new space, they can put it right back where it was. I don't have that patience, but, you know, when my client said, I want, my wish is to have one bedroom become an entire closet. Nice. How perfect is it to have that team fold everything, put tissue paper in it? That's stuff that, as a designer, you sometimes want to take every dollar. Don't do it. You'll make more money in the long term if you hire someone who that's their expertise and your client is able to talk to you about the design stuff. And then they tell all their friends, oh my gosh, they they produced me into my new life. Spoken like a true project manager. Yeah. <laughs> that's smart. That is, that's, that's what we used to do at the design firm too. Closets, forget it. Forget about it. Here's the expert. Something else hire somebody. in the kitchen. Here's the expert. <laughs> exactly. And you asked me earlier about my niche. I um, grew up in Austin, Texas. I 
had asthma. I had allergies. I call it the bubble child syndrome. One of my favorite books is Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. And he talks about that 10,000 hours you need to become an expert. Well, guess what? If you're the kid with the backpack with the Kleenex in it, you've had enough hours of wheezing and sneezing. And then you grow up in Austin, Texas, where there's Wheatsville Co-op, there's Whole Foods. So imagine my life was not where do we get organic food, but it was like, which one do we go to? Did you ever see The Boy in the Bubble with John Travolta, that movie? I did. That was not me. (laughs) I was close, but that was not me. But you know why? It's because my parents found a hippie or holistic, today we would call it, pediatrician. And he said, you can raise a strong child or you can raise a child on strong medicine. My parents chose the strong child, which means swimming, biking, walking, track, tennis, to get my lungs strong versus the steroid option. So guess what? You start your business, you build your business, and what do you know? You know that you can't be in a job site or you'll be wheezing and sneezing if it's dusty, if the paints are oil-based, if any number of things can cause you to go home that night and have a medical episode. So I became an early advocate of clean construction where I was like, let's do the Aura bit, you know, or Natura, the Benjamin Moore mm-hmm. loaded no VOC paints. Why? Because I could breathe, (laughs) you know, and then you go forward and you just start really diving deep into what hypoallergenic means, because it's not just your pillows. The rest of your space, the venting is poorly done or there's wall to wall shag carpet. You know, you've got some issues in your house and you could have hypoallergenic pillows all day, but you're still going to be wheezing. Yeah. And you know what I love about this, Robin, is that I can hear the passion in your voice. You, you know, the whole interview, of course, you've been passionate about it, but I really see you lighting up talking about this subject. And I think that's super important as a creative and a business owner and that you're doing something that resonates. First of all, it's, it's you, it's your story, and you're passionate about helping other people achieve the same level of wellness and being with that. So, That's terrific. You know, I think everybody should have some skin in the game in their business like that and really enjoy what they do. So let's talk about going from a project manager to having this passion and actually developing the brand Clean Design Home. How did that even get started? How did you get noticed? Now you have an exciting line with Macy's, for God's sakes. So so, so, (laughs) I want to get into the, if there's someone out there listening that's like, oh my gosh, this lady's so motivating. I want to know how you did it, what you did to market it, how you got the attention. Dive right in. All right. Well, let's go back to, I'm a 20-year overnight success. (laughs) So this has not been yesterday. This is, you know, this is a lot of slogging a lot of failures, a lot of $1.23s in my wallet, not eating sometimes, not paying bills sometimes, and being focused on a mission. So I want everyone to know this is not overnight success. It's taking one step every day toward your goal. There's a wonderful book that I have that's called The Dream Giver that I love. And it talks about everyone has a dream. Everyone has a passion. And if you're chasing yours, There might be tough times, but you keep focused and take one step every day. And so I read that book. Someone gave it to me and I read it on a train. I was on an Amtrak train from New York to uh, Washington, D.C. And I was working with a client and the wildest thing is it it was like, bing, light bulb. And I knew then that was what 
I was meant to do. And I was doing a project in DC and I was like, ugh, this is miserable. <laughs> and I was like, ugh, you know. And so when I got a phone call, you're going to laugh, from Adam Glassman, who's the creative director for Oprah. Yeah. He just said, hi, this is Adam Glassman. Um, I'd like to chat with you about something. This is Oprah's team, whatever. I thought it was a joke. I was being pranked. I did not return the phone call. Oh, no. I did not re return the second phone call. And on the third phone call, he said, um, you're not returning my call. I think you think this is a prank, but this is real. So um, if you don't call me today, I'm going to call the next person on the list. So I called him back <laughs> and I said, hi. <laughs> and he said, we've heard about you. And the way he heard about me, I believe, is because I did someone's apartment who didn't have a lot of money, but I treated them like a billionaire client. Mm. They had received an inheritance from a grandparent and they were in the Chelsea section of New York City. Their apartment was probably the size of a garage bay, like, you know, 400 to 500 square feet. And I walked in the space and I just, I was like, there's doors everywhere. And so that's when I be part of my signature in my designs is I do pocket doors. I do at least one pocket door in every project because I find a hidden space. Nice. And so in this case, this woman, I didn't know she was the granddaughter of some major magazine executive. I just knew her name was Caroline. And I was like, okay, so this is your budget? And she was like, yeah. So I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. And so I was like, I don't have a lot of budget, but I can change all these doors and make it almost like a ship. Everything just goes into itself and get a Murphy bed. And so that's when I learned about resource furniture and get a Murphy bed that looks like a desk during the day, but it folds down. And so this whole apartment became this mishmash like a ship. And one of her requirements was that she would be able to have a dinner party for at least six people. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But resource furniture had this table that's like this big and it expands. I don't know how it does it and it becomes, so I was like, oh, that'll be the table on the side. We'll put like tchotchkes on it. And when you have a dinner party, you pull it out and they have very narrow chairs. It worked. I guess she invited someone over and they're like, how did you do this with this space? Boom. So it's by chance. So this is the other side. And, and I'll throw out one other. I had a client once that I received. I did a speech. These people had biked there because they were totally eco-friendly. <laughs> they were like sweaty, you know, bike helmets, you know, the gloves, the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fragrance. <laughs> and, and they're super nice. But I was just, so I, I do this speech and they come up to me afterward. And this is the don't judge a book by its cover okay. moment. And I tell all designers that who I speak to, you can have the richest person in front of you. And they don't care about telling other people what they have. They care about what goes into their private spaces. And that's also the privacy. We need to be conscious as professionals. It's their home. Unless they give you permission to photograph or talk about it, keep it private because it does get back to clients sometimes. Um, but this, these two folks came up to me and I was like, nice to meet you. And they're like, can you do our house? I was like, sure. I charge a consulting fee. <laughs> So at that, and I said, I refund it if you hire me because I was like, I could go to meetings all day. So I actually, when you start your relationship with that of like $200 or $100 or whatever, that that's your consulting fee because you're giving away ideas. Sure. Often they'll interview you and they want to know what would you do here? What would you do there? If they don't hire you, you made a hundred bucks for that one hour. That's fine. 
But you also set up an expectation that the conversations are professional time. So I went to their house. It was like the penthouse of this gigantic, I mean, I I can't even tell you, 4,000 square feet, top floor view over the Hudson River. And all they had was an air mattress, a guitar, and a bike. And I was like, what's my budget? They said, it doesn't matter. Whatever you think we should have in our house. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we can work with And that's when you realize I could have judged them. Mm -hmm. I could have been like, yeah, you can't afford me. And that's the snotty little way sometimes creatives will do. We know that. Don't do that. Let's loop back on that, Robin. So let's. So you did. You did the little apartment with the ship with the sliding doors, right? You did this. You're not judging a book by its cover because, to your point, you never know where an opportunity may be. So how did that garner the attention of Oprah's um, staff? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so back to my small Chelsea apartment. I think that someone came over for a dinner party and they were shocked at the transformation of the property on the budget that we had, which was $30,000. And we're talking about a revamped kitchen, all of the doors being transformed into pocket doors, the bathroom tile we kept. That was pretty much the only thing we kept. We redid the floors. We created space where there wasn't any, taking it up. Like when you use an alpha space, people don't think about on a wall. If you have this much space, they say, oh, we don't have much space. But if you go all the way to the ceiling, with an alpha unit or something like that, that's like six to 10 feet of space that could be anything. I believe, and again, I never asked Adam, but I did good work and she was effusive and she knew that what we had done in six weeks was virtually impossible in New York City. But I had this wonderful team. I had a woman who looked like she was 12 years old (laughs) and she would go down to the buildings department looking like she was 12 with pigtails and whatever. She'd be like, I need to get a permit. (laughs) (laughs) And they would give her a permit every time. The guys that would walk in burly and whatever, they would not get a permit. It would be like, we'll come back to you in two weeks. She would get a permit like the same day. It was the best (laughs) ever. So anyway, that's again, hiring people who have an expertise who can make things happen. And so every time I needed a permit, she would go down there. Like the next day you have a permit. So it was fantastic. So, so did the, that homeowner know somebody that worked at her at Oprah's um, office or did you? did you? She okay. did. She knew somebody who knew somebody. Who knew somebody. To everyone, remember this in your life. If you do great work, people will tell four people, probably in their inner circle. If you do poor work and you're nasty and mean and rude, they will tell 20 people at a dinner party because it's good to talk about. It's good gossip. But if someone says, I want your best carpenter, they're going to tell like someone who they know will treat that carpenter nicely because they don't want that carpenter to feel like, you know, tension. So remember this, if you do great work, they're going to tell someone who's a likely customer in the future. If you do shabby work, they're going to tell 20 people over a dinner <laughs> Boy, party. That's, that's but true. these people came in and broke everything in my house. They were rude, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And that is, you know, or any number of bad behaviors from even your team, right? I've had people not understand, and I call it the hot mic moment. When you are in someone's home today, they often have, whether recording devices or cameras, cameras. or nanny cams <laughs> yeah. or whatever, don't look in someone's drawer and make a comment. Just put it back and go on with your day. 
don't talk about anything except the weather (laughs) and how beautiful the space is. It's January. You know what that means. The holidays are in a rear view mirror, but clients are going to start coming out of the woodwork and resuming their design projects or starting the new design projects that they were putting off. And now you have to ask yourself, is your ideal client going to find you when they're searching on the Googles and entering in those keywords? Is your website ready and optimized for SEO so you pop up in their search results when they type in interior designer Chicago? Who, who's it going to be? Who, who's going to come up on that first page or in the beginning of that search? So you even have a shot, right? If your answers are no, then you're leaving money on the table or even worse, just uh, writing a check over to your competition who does have all their SEO ducks in a row. So what you're going to want to do is head on over to wingnutsocial.com to set up a chat with me to discuss getting SEO services for your interior design firm today. It makes a huge difference, especially local SEO. If you're looking for your ideal client in your local market, girl or guy, I should say, we do have men listeners, you need to get your SEO game on point. So head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Check us out. Check out the case studies there at the top of that nav. Check out what we're able to do for our clients and click contact me or let's chat or something like that on the website. (laughs) And we'll be happy to help you out. Again, that's wingnutsocial.com. You know, it's so funny that you say that when when uh, my fiance and I were house shopping, <laughs> the realtor said something disparaging about one of the, um, not our realtor, a, another realtor said something disparaging about the homeowner of the house he was showing and it was all recorded on their ring camera. <laughs> I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Okay. So Robin, is it fair to say that, that your marketing up until that point, I, I was just all referral based? Did you do any, any, anything purposeful? All of my business until that magazine. It was word of mouth. And then AM New York did a little feature. You remember the little newspaper that used to be at the subway stations? They would just hand them out for free. (laughs) I'm dating myself. I bought a New Yorker. So so they had this little newspaper and you could read it from the top of Manhattan to the bottom of Manhattan. It was very small. But they did a feature on me. Then Oprah did a feature on me. And then Oprah's team featured me about four or five times in the magazine as well in her big book of happiness that okay, year. Okay, so so just to, what's the word I'm looking for? To recap, <laughs> you're just doing excellent work and getting things done on a budget, not judging a book by their co- by its cover and not being like a, a bougie red flag kind of designer. Open those doors for you because you provided excellent service, did your job as a designer, yeah. I would say there's two things. I ran my design or my project management or my busy homeowner's best friend business, like a business. And that meant it was professional. Mm -hmm. There's a time and a place to have tea with people and sit down and chit chat. And that's after the project's done. You want to establish rapport, but you want to do the job and you want to set expectations. And if things are going awry, you want to deliver the bad news quickly. You don't want your client to get to the point where they're frustrated and you're backed into a corner. And I think that professionalism came across. It is, I use the term hire slow, fire fast. That is the way you should remember they're doing too as a client. They've probably interviewed five, six, seven, eight designers. And if you, and they hired you, they hired slow. And if you don't do a great job, they're going to fire fast. And, and just 
remember that always. It's not guaranteed. I made that mistake as a big beginning designer. I hired fast and fired way too slow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll go to business that way, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost did, actually. Yeah. Today, I think a lot of people will use services like Fiverr and Upwork if they need CAD or they need digital design or visual design. I think those are some of the great services you can use. You don't have to hire a lot of people. Back in the day, you had to hire staff and that could sometimes you'd be working and it felt like you were paying for your team to hang out um, and go on vacations. <laughs> yeah. Um, Plus taxes and, so and, I don't, and health yeah, insurance yeah, and all taxes, that. Yeah, taxes, et cetera. So, so many people today do like a bit of the gig economy. So I recommend using services and being very clear about what your goal and mandate. I, I love starting out employees as a, on a 1099 basis and kind of just feeling how they work before I bring them on full-time. And I've done that quite a few times, actually. All right. So, Robin, let's move on to clean design home and that business. And now that's very niched and very focused. Are you still doing interior design work on a general basis or is this your 100% focus right now? Oh my gosh. Well, if people want to see what we're really doing on an overarching basis, I've built a conglomerate. Didn't set out to do that. But if you go to a blue egg, again, you need to make sure you put the two E's there, A-B-L-U-E-E-G-G.com, you will see the overview of my company. So we have design, we have licensing, and we have real estate development. Everything's for the home. So the simple way to describe it is I've built a conglomerate that we do, uh, we design products that then go into the houses or properties that we design. And then I also am working on a subdivision development of about 80 acres right outside of Austin, which is land um, that's been in my family for years, but we're doing a, a subdivision. Okay. And we're using modular development of which I think, that's the wave of the future for home Yeah, I actually just invested in some modular company, something startup. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so a tiny, okay. tiny investment. I, I belong to one of those startup. I think it's called Seed Invest. So Clean Design Home came about last, gosh, nine, ten years ago. I wrote a book called Clean Design Wellness for Your Lifestyle. And it was a compendium of the first ten years of my company, the work that we had done it became a number one bestseller on Amazon. And over and over, clean design kept being really what we do. We have the construction people being clean. We put clean products in people's home and we're advocates for hypoallergenic lifestyles. So I was like, clean design, clean design, clean design. And finally, I was like, I need to see if this thing is available. GoDaddy.com. It's available. Okay. I buy it, right? Then I trademarked it which is the smartest thing I've ever done in my life. It costs a lot of money if you hire a lawyer, but if you go to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website, you can try to learn through those videos, and I did it. So I want to tell people, don't be afraid of trademarking a brand. But let me go back to, we had a legacy brand. It was called Robin Wilson Home. It had its legs, and it and we were sold at Bed Bath Beyond. We were the third black brand to be sold at Bed Bath Beyond. Bed Bath Beyond starts to go through some changes. They start bringing in their own private brands. And we see some shifts into consumer purchasing, meaning people are going to Amazon and buying things for $1 when maybe before they would pay $5 because it was they could touch it and feel mm. it. And now they're just paying 
um, things by price, not necessarily by quality. So I was at a point last year. So this is the part where everybody needs to know resilience is the hallmark of being an entrepreneur. I was ready to quit. I was like, I'm done. I've worked 20 years. I just feel like Rob Nolson home. The brand is gone. I, I've worked so hard. And by now I should be X. All of a sudden, George Floyd happens. Ahmaud Albury happens and on and on and on. And I took a moment to breathe. And I was like, <laughs> with COVID, right? Also hitting globally. And one day, New York Magazine and a couple of other magazines ran articles about the top 10 Black businesses to support. And I happened to be on that list. And it was a moment of reality. But up to this point, I couldn't have paid for that kind of PR, right? It's like, what? And I said, but if I look at other comparable businesses, like, and I'll use Chip and Joanna, right? They are not Chip and Joanna company. They're Magnolia Home. They, they've, it's almost like brands are going away from your eponymous name. And so I said to myself, okay, if I keep the eponymous name, what I'm seeing is if I change it to a generic name that speaks to our niche, that allows me to one day sell it. So that's a smart move. So I'm doing the trademark. I do this, I do that. Next thing you know, a hotel group calls us and says, hi, in 50 years, I won't say their name because they're awesome. Um, in 50 years, we've never hired a black designer and we've never hired a black business that could procure textiles for us. Can you do that for us? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> how much do you want? And their first order ended up being 56 pallets. We're talking forklifts, two tractor trailer trucks full of items. And two weeks later, they placed the second order and on and on. And we're now in our ninth order. Wow, nice. So it's yes. a good thing you didn't give so up. So what I realized is I needed to be a brand, not Robin Wilson, Robin Wilson Home. I needed to be a brand. And it's a zeitgeist brand because we're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone is talking about being clean. Everyone's talking about being healthy. Everybody's talking about being at home. And so the lexicon of home is also changed. We're home more often than we used to be. We used to have a place to put our keys because we were getting ready to go out to the next thing. And now you're sort of- Now we're, yeah. And we're so, working from home, we're living from home, we're playing from yes, home. Yeah. Exactly. So I think the zeitgeist moment was, I'm going to take this brand and I'm going to turn it into something. And at the same time, I'm going to be cognizant of our history. Our history is hypoallergenic. What I know is hypoallergenic. So let's dig deep and let's go luxury. And also, now I need to find the licensing partner or do it on my own as private label. What do you know? We start seeing sales happen after that New York Magazine sure. article. And the joke is um, when you get an order on Shopify or Amazon, if you have it set a certain way, it pings like, like a text message. All of a sudden, you remember this commercial back in Super Bowl years ago. It was like, oh, we put up a website. Ping, <laughs> ping, 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 ping. That's what happened. So- it was 3,000% sales increase day over day. <laughs> In 30 days, we made $80,000. I was like, oh my gosh. So my Prius, again, I'm on brand even in my life, right? <laughs> my Prius was filled to the brim. I'm going to the post office, UPS, doing whatever. And 
Then I get signed by West Point Home. And the venerable brand Martex is like, we all know Martex. We know about the blanket that we grew up with. We know about, and they say, we're going to reinvigorate this brand with this hypoallergenic thing. And we're going to do clean design X Martex for our textiles. Right away, there was interest. And I think two weeks later, they had the fall market and they just teased it to see what would happen. And everyone was like, what? We want that. By the spring market, we had retailers signing up, which was 2021. By the fall, we had commitments. When I say commitments, I mean like stuff being manufactured and being shipped. And so January 2nd, which was, you know, (laughs) 2022, we launched at Macy's nationwide, 165 stores, including Hawaii, Guam, and Puerto Rico. So I want to take you back. 2020, I was ready to quit. I was ready to get a job, put on my resume, <laughs> and figure out what else, what's next. By May, June, we have interest in the brand. We have sales. We have a trademark by the end of the summer. By October, a licensing deal. By next spring, last spring, we have commitments. By last fall, which is 2021, stuff is being shipped out of the warehouse directly to the retailers that are going to carry it. And here we are. What is that saying? Things always are darkest before the dawn. (laughs) Darkest before the dawn. Darkest before the dawn. And let me throw out this other thing for any designer. This is advice I want to tell you has helped me. Remember your ABCs or you will have one, two, three. (laughs) Now, People are like, what does that mean? You need a great attorney to write contracts to protect you and your business. Don't forget, you hire people who get on ladders and they can fall and die. You need to make sure that your attorney is like, here's the insurances you need. Here's the protections you need. Oh, and if that person's not working for you, you're indemnified. It's, you know, if that housekeeper slips on that marble floor, you're indemnified. Yeah, that's important. A lot of designers skip that. They don't want to spend the money. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of sad stories out there about that for sure. Yeah. Yep. So great attorney, great bookkeeper. Hello, people. You have to pay your taxes. My first hire. If yep. you don't, they will come after you personally. Remember that, everybody. So if you have people on your payroll, you have to pay payroll taxes. You have to make sure that your accountant is bringing in invoices, making sure that C, you get cash flow. Attorney, bookkeeper, cash flow, or you will get a dollar twenty-three in your wallet. <laughs> I see. One, two, I got you. Okay. That makes sense okay. now. Yeah, I love it. All right. So, you know, I love that you mentioned your struggle with the branding and the naming going away from the eponymous Robin Wilson designs or, or what have you. A lot of designers out there struggle with that. Should I name it this? Should I name it that? And your point to resellability, I think is the most convincing <laughs> part of that. Well, you know, if you want, if you want an evergreen business, evergreen meaning it's there forever, it's the way it is, keep your name in it. If you want a business that potentially has a sale or a transition in the future to it, then think about it differently. You know, um, some of the biggest brands, Halston, right? What happened to them? Pierre Cardin or Bill Blass or Oscar de la Renta. They're amazing brands. They have trajectories. If they were named Nautica, they might continue forever. That's a good point. 
And and so that's where you sort of need to put your head, I think, today, because it's all about branding. And we certainly we all love our name out there. But again, what if someone does fall off that ladder one day? It's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you, what are you doing now for your marketing focus with your business as it is? So you've told us all the inspiration, you know, you're got Oprah's attention by offering just being a damn good designer, right? Offering good design, treating your your clients well, right? So I'm sure that you have marketing people now. <laughs> what is your what you right? You have to. What is your focus now? Yes, I do. I work with a publicist who is she comes from the movie world. So it's phenomenal the way she thinks. She thinks like uh, you do a project and then you're going to launch the project and you're going to then talk about the project after it's done. So it's not just, hi, I did a project. It's I'm doing XYZ project. Some clients don't want to be featured. So maybe you're not talking about the project itself, but you're talking about a room in the project. Like if they're having a baby, well, okay, we're going to talk about why this room is special. And now you get parenting magazine interested. You get the mommy bloggers interested. And that's her philosophy is you don't have to do the whole house. You can create a systematic view of what you do. Secondly, I have a social media team. Again, we talked about hire people who know better than you. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have time all day to sit in front of Instagram and comment and post pictures, but I can at the start of every day send some stuff or start of every month. Here's my calendar. They prepare all the postings. I approve. Yay, yay, yay. We're done. And then third, a key part of marketing none of us think about is what is your plan? Now that doesn't, most people say, oh, I've got a plan. I'm like, mm-mm. What is your plan by season? And we say that for a reason, and I'm rhyming here. If you say, oh, it's the spring, I'm going to do some media about Earth Day. I'm going to do some media about allergies and asthma. It's March. Those stories have already been written. There's a difference between long and short lead. And if you want to be in the magazine, you probably had to think about that back in November when they were writing the stories in December, closing down the book, as they call it, and going to the printer. And then in by March, if you think about it, you get the March issue of Vanity Fair in February. So it's plan for your seasons with a reason. What's the reason for you to do a story? You can't be in March or February talking about, oh, I want to get a lot of coverage. Okay, you'll get some coverage. But you need to almost do an annual calendar about what's important. When are your projects ending? You might have a project that's ending in the Hamptons. Because again, if you're doing wealthy people, you're off season. So you're doing the Hamptons in the winter. So it's ready for the summer. And you're doing Aspen. And, you know, like you're flipping your your schedule. That's so important with marketing. I mean, I'm sure you know Wingnut Social is a marketing agency for interior designers. And that's what we start all of our clients with the strategy. You can't just be posting stuff without any end and goal. Because I'm sure you know, since you have your own um, company there, that it's quite an investment to to delegate, to have someone do that for you. So you don't want to waste the money. Let me throw out something else. Your partners will change over time depending on how your business grows or contracts. And that's something people also need to understand. You might sign a three-month contract 
with a firm that can get you to a certain place. And then you go to a bigger agency like yours. And then maybe you get me to a certain place. And then I go to a bigger agency that has a lot of people that can handle the work. And then I might contract a couple of years later and I come right back. So exit as well as you enter the relationships. If you say to someone, it's just not working, both parties have a responsibility to exit the same way they entered. Because I have worked with people, come back, come back over the years. And I think that that is the best thing because they know you already. And they, if you're a professional, you understand, oh my gosh, they have 55 projects. They're crowdfunding. I only have three people on my staff. I could not handle that. I might want to, but I can't. And then after those big projects are over, they don't want that big agency anymore. They come right back to their home. Yeah, that's understandable too. Or it's like, we don't specialize in PR. You you have the PR agency, that's going to be a different partnership than with the the digital marketing side of it. Robin, this has been a very interesting chat with you and your journey. I love hearing about all your successes. Before we get into the uh, wingnut fire round, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you? Anything you want to add that you think the audience needs to hear? And then we'll we'll get into the fire round. You know, I want everyone to know, I come from a very humble background. My dad was a bus driver. My mom worked for the state. My grandfather was a sharecropper. He picked cotton in Texas. They uh, bought out their shares with their sons who were in the military. And they bought their first house in Austin. And my grandmother was the help, if you remember that movie, and had her separate teacup and saucer that she ate from in people's homes. But in a different era, she might have been the couturier or she might have had a design shop, but it wasn't like that. So I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot from um, my grandparents. And one of the things that I am really thrilled about is in three generations, we've come from sharecroppers to my stuff is made of 100% cotton. Um, There's irony in that. And I want everyone to know that you don't have to have a lot of money when you start off in this profession, you might have no money and eat a mayonnaise sandwich one day and be like, oh, this is terrible. But we so often talk about the successes and we don't talk about the struggle to get there. And I want everyone to know it has been a challenging road sometimes. But what I take away from that is the focus and the resiliency you need to know that your dream is worthwhile. You're investing in you. You're betting on you every day when you get up and you take that step forward and you chase your dream. Awesome. I love it. Now, Robin Wilson, I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You're you're ready. You're born ready. You know, I've got my products behind me. Maybe they'll protect me. Hey, pillows. You know, we got our little sheet line here. You're anthropomorphizing your products now. <laughs> okay. Now, now, if I fail miserably, everybody, and I skid across the pavement because whatever she asked me. Girl, you got you Y'all got just this. remember, clean design, home, ex-martex, at Macy's. Now it's time for What Up Wing Night. Wing Night. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Resilience. Perfect. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food. What's it going to be? 
Calamari. Nice. Calamari. Nice. Now, would you be able to get squid from the island, like if you were resourceful and could fish it? I'm wondering if you're wasting your your wish. If I'm stuck on an island, I'm going to have a cell phone <laughs> that has a solar-powered battery, and I'm going to order from DoorDash, but they'll drive up in a boat. Boat Dash. I'll be stuck on the island. I'll be Gilligan, but I'll somehow have transistor batteries, right? <laughs> you're more like Mr. Howell. <laughs> I'm like, how did they, you know, Gilligan's Island, how did they have a transistor radio? Where were the batteries? Well, they had the professor, right? What didn't he get? He out, right. right? Oh. All right. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had an impact on you either personally or professionally. And I think you mentioned it earlier. It's that, it's that book, right? The Dream Giver by Malcolm Gladwell. That book. Yeah. Read that book, everyone, because it will change your life. You might be doing something and it's really not your passion. And there might be someone who came along before you. In my case, B. Smith, Sheila Bridges. You know, before that, it would be, you know, so many people that I think helped propel me and my brand to be the first Black licensed global textile brand. Awesome. Robin, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you. I know you had already mentioned your blueegg.com with the two E's. Where else can they go to find out more about you? I recommend um, go to a blueegg.com, which will give you an overview of the whole company. If you want to learn about our design business, robinwilsonhome.com, or if you want to learn about our licensed brand, cleandesignhome.com. And of course, like I said, go to Macy's, check us out. Please know that uh, I can't wait for everyone to come out of this COVID thing and to know that they have done the best for their health and their wellness through healthy lifestyle and sleep choices. Awesome. I love it. Robin, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Wingnut Social. All right. That's my interview with Robin Wilson. Robin is such an inspiration. I'm sure that you guys listening out there managed to gleam a million little nuggets from her and her experience in the industry. Robin, thank you so much for all you do. And thank you again for those amazing pillows and sheets. Guys, run, don't walk. I know we're all interior designers. I mean, you can use them for your clients. They will thank you. That's some seriously good stuff. All right. That's it for this week. Make sure you head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Check us out. See what we're all about, how we can help you with marketing your interior design firm. And remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Mango shush! I'm also on Dayquil. Oh, of course. Hundredth time's the charm. Damn dog. Oh, I guess I should pull up her bio too. I don't have any. I am so unprepared. Please stand by. Call of the wild happens here. Good boy, Mango.